The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, those who can join us, Source of Truth podcast, and we're glad you're with us this morning. As you notice, this is not our office. Uh, I'm not at church. Uh, today, I'm actually doing something I rarely do. So I'm working from home. We have some men who are finalizing some work on our house, and I'm supposed to be there today to do final inspections and things of that nature. And uh, so uh, my wife's at the office, so that way if people show up or if anything's needed, we swap today. And I'm home, and so I thought if I had to record this with my phone anyway, why not take a walk? So I'm at the back uh, the end of my neighborhood, Plumridge here in Levittown, and on the other side is Mill Creek, and right between us is this creek and this bridge. And I thought, beautiful day for a walk. It's a great time to just spend some time with God and to pray and to walk, and so we've enjoyed that this morning, and then I'll be going home in a little bit. But I want to take a few minutes and just uh, talk a little bit to you uh, as we finalize our study through this, um, uh, the, the topic of Joshua and living the dream. And uh, really what I want to do today, as we finish out this Friday, as we finish out the week, really what I want to do is I want to just take a few minutes and kind of reflect back over our study over the last, what is it, 43, 44 episodes as we've walked through this and reflect on just some, some great reminders. This morning I, I looked up and if you go to back to Genesis 37, you're going to see um, Joseph has been given a dream. He says once, I believe it's in verse 5 where it says, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brother, and they hated him yet the more. So he's already hated. And a lot of times, as you go to the end of the story, and you see how um, his brothers are treating him, and how reconciliation took place, and redemptions, and work, and all of that is how God works, and it's exciting. But when you look at that, you forget how the story started, and the aspect of how mean, hateful his brothers were at the time. And so, we go back and look, and they hated him. It came to the thing where they threw him into a pit, and the whole process started. A few verses later, he says he dreamed another dream. It's interesting that his father, Jacob, uh, just stated, simply stated this. He observed the saying. He realized that he had received dreams and visions from God, and he understood that this is probably something from God, not something Joseph was making up. And, and at the end, he stated, we just talked about yesterday, he was able to look into the face of his son and his, and his grandsons and, and begin to see all that God wore, all that God had done through this process. And so when I look back over the last few weeks as we've been looking through this and I was walking here this morning and praying and evaluating what, what are some thoughts that I can learn. Um, let, let's just, just give a couple thoughts as we finalize um, the thinking and the teaching from this, this passage in Genesis. When I look back, the first thing I look at, I realize that God does have a plan. We spent a lot of our time, uh, several days, focusing on the passage from Romans chapter 8 where it says, and all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then we said that verse 9, Romans 28, verse 29, very important, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be a firstborn among many uh, brethren. And we see the fact that um, whom he did foreknow, those he knew would get saved, he did predestinate. He's got a plan through sanctification to get us to where he wants us to be. And so we recognize in all of that what God is doing and that God's got a plan. And what, we, what I really see in that is the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, that not only does God have a plan, he has a plan for me, a plan for me personally, 
It's not a plan just for him. It's not a plan just for others. Um, other people's plans aren't better than my plan. They're different and they're unique and it shows not only a powerful God, but it shows a personal God. And I think that that's something that as we pull from this, it's very important that through all of this, all that God allowed Joseph to go through, all that God put uh, his family through, all these are the things that life brought through that God allowed to take place. Uh, he brought reconciliation, he brought redemption, but he also brought you know healing and he, and, he, and he provided provision. All of this through the process, he showed his personal nature. He showed how much he loved the people, how much he loved his chosen people. And, thing, and, and I look at that and I see God's sovereignty, I see God's power and I see God's goodness. And a lot of times, too many people view God as just too big. And he is big. I don't like the phrase, the man upstairs or things of that nature. But you understand, he is um, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the great I Am. He is the God of heaven, the God of earth. And he is all of that. But he also is a God who loves us and knows the hairs, amount of hairs in our head and the sands, in the, uh, the sands of the shore. He knows the battles we go through. He knows all those things. And he, he's not surprised by them. And so we're encouraged and reminded by that truth of the great uh, power, but yet personal goodness of God. But you know, I dig in further in that, and as I go further, I think, what else? I think, obviously, if we want to be blessed by God, we got to be reminded to be in the center of His will, which puts some responsibility on me. You see, when God says, for whom He did for no, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Um, it's something sometimes we struggle with. Do I do this? Do I have to every day work to conform myself to Jesus, what I might find in the Bible or when I hear it for a preacher? And yes, I need to take the truth that I've been given and work with it and grow. But the true conformity is not my responsibility. Jesus does it. I must go back to what Paul told the church in Rome. Um, be re renewed in the thinking of your mind. You know, stop being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. Give God your life. Give it freely. Give it wholly. And then let God do what he wants to do. And I think, honestly, we get from that is, if I would spend less time fighting to try and figure out what to do to please God and more time just to get out of the way, be in, the, be in his word, be in prayer, and say, what are you doing? And just get involved with what he's doing. I'd say I'd watch him do some great things in my life. That would be the things I'm changing. What he's, You say, well, I don't like the things he's allowed into my life. Well, maybe we don't. And maybe the things he's allowed in our life are going to put us to where we need to be. We talked about the battles and that God can use even the darkest places to get us where he needs us to be. And frankly, if we are really, truly, honestly want to be in the center of God's will and blessed by God and see him do something, then we're going to have to recognize that we are going to have to allow the dark times as well as the great times to get us to where uh, in a submissive and surrendered uh, relationship with Jesus. And I think that that is such a powerful truth. And for me, it's been something that has been reminded to me over the study over the last several weeks as we've looked at it. But can I, you know, can I just say that probably as I look at all of it, I'm reminded of that, I'm reminded of the promises of God. We spent the last few episodes reflecting back on that. The promises of God to Jacob, the promises of God to Joseph, how God blessed Pharaoh, a pagan king, because of Joseph, how God blessed uh, Jacob and his brothers because of Joseph's willingness to do what he has been asked to do. And we can talk about how many people, think about how many people were blessed by Joseph, by his willingness to obey, his willingness to continue to be reminded that God is good, that God's got a plan, and that they just stay, he just says, listen, I'm going to be faithful to you. I don't get it. Does it make sense? It's not always easy, but it's your plan. So I'm going to stay till you move me. And how many people were blessed and saved uh, from a famine because Joseph's willingness to do what he was supposed to do? And that just reminds us, stay faithful to true to, to God. So let me finish with this, though. I'm going to take the last couple of minutes and talk about this. To me, when I look at what I probably pull, and it comes down to a verse that we quote a lot, 
understandably, it's a good verse. Um, it's a verse we need to understand. But it's a verse that we, pre we say a lot, we say we believe, but if you're anything like me, it's a verse that's a little sometimes harder to follow, and that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. When I look at those verses, I go back to the word trust. Trust is something that we and our culture struggle with, rightfully so. We don't trust politicians who speak on the news. We don't trust salesmen who knock at our door. We don't trust, I mean, I, it was it yesterday. This is your second warning for the extended warranty in your car. Second final warning. And I'm like, it's amazing. I think this is the ninth second final warning that I've gotten on this extended warranty in my car that I have an extended warranty on in my car. We don't trust, you know, you get a call. At church, we have caller ID and if someone calls up, and it's an 800 number, or if it looks like it's from a company, we ignore it. Uh, and a few times we've not ignored it, we've regretted it. Uh, you look at caller ID, I have my, uh, my, my phone service, it pops up scam likely, letting me know that probably it's a scam call. We don't trust people in those scenarios, and these people have earned the right to lose our trust. So when we think of trust, it's so complicated. But the key to trust, the key to trust is not the scenario, it's not the situation, it's not even the good or bad we find ourselves in. The key to trust solely comes back to the idea of the object and what we're trusting. As I mentioned right now, I have some men back at our house, they're finalizing some work. Uh, we learned a few months ago that due to wind damage, we had a lot of siding damage on our house and a lot of uh, damage done to it that was getting behind it. And, and as you know anything about that, that can turn into a very, very uh, dam damaging and expensive problem so uh, we had to obviously get some guys out inside the house and so they're finalizing today and it looks beautiful they're doing a great job but as I went through the process there are some people that were going to charge me almost three times as much for better work I didn't trust them and the one reason I chose the company I went with is through the process I learned that I believed and I still do we can trust them and they have been great to work with. It's the people. It's the object you put your trust in. In this situation, in our walk with God and everything, it is God. It is His Word. It is His institution. It is all the things that He's brought into my life. That's what we trust. And you say, well, I, you know, church. I should trust church. I should. There are some people who have abused church and things of that nature. And not everybody's perfect, but we should trust it because it's what God has designed to be the greatest form of encouragement for us. It's the mystery for us for this day. So what I look at is I look at the object of trust that I put in, that's God. So I trust in the Lord with all my heart. But then the key is it's all my heart. I don't, I don't try and figure it out. It's not, it's not a little bit, well, I'll trust in him for this and someone else for that. No, I trust in the Lord with all of it. But then lean not into my own understanding. I, I don't look at the world and respond based upon my understanding, my emotions, my fears, my frustrations, um, my knowledge of the situation. Remember when they were walking in the water, what was Peter's greatest battle? Peter's greatest battle is he began to realize as someone who had been in the water a lot, this was dangerous. And the moment he started trusting in his own understanding and got his eyes off of God, he began to sink and be consumed with the things around him, with the storm. Instead of being above the storm and walking and being, being uh, walking with God through it and, if, and defying the odds and physics and all the things of life that are true, the moment he got his eyes consumed in the, uh, uh, or guy's eyes distracted by the storm, he then became consumed and surrounded by the storm as he sunk in it. And I believe that's how it goes. The moment we become consumed with the circumstances around us, the moment we do that, we can or we get distracted, excuse me, by the things around us, we become consumed with them. We can become consumed with the fear and the frustration and the failure or whatever it is that goes through our minds. And God is saying, listen, 
keep your eyes on me and don't trust your understanding. My understanding is flawed. It's human. It's, it's selfish. It's fearful. And God says, listen, as much as the emotion is there, you have to process. Do not trust it. Do not lean and put weight upon how you view the situation going on right now. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In the direction you're going, let him be the guide and he will direct you if you allow him to be. The question is, will we allow him to be? Now, we, we look at this verse and most of us quote it. Okay, we're good. We walk out. I go back to one last verse that kind of pushes us to the verse we just finished. James, what does he say? Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If we know the truth and we can quote the truth and we can say do this or don't do that, but we don't live it. We don't allow the word of God to become part of us. We miss out. We miss out on what God wants to do. We miss out, for instance, in this scenario, we know the truth is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your understanding. But if I don't learn to put my trust in God and get my trust off of my own understanding of the circumstance, you know what happens? Well, I don't get the peace that passes all understanding I find in Philippians. All of it works together. And so I encourage you that through all of this, through the journey, um, trusting God in his sovereignty, accepting his personal nature, uh, leaning upon his promises, all of it comes by learning to trust. Trust God, number one, for salvation. If you've never been saved, that is the first step. God is not, God, the only thing God will do for you at that point is bring salvation. He's not going to intercede. He's not going to move because he works and answers prayer for his family. But he wants you to be in his family. So if you've not been saved, I encourage you today to make a point to do that. If you are saved in your journey, begin to recognize the good times, the bad times, and the battles to put your trust in God. And let God be the one that you're following. God be the one that you lean upon. Thank you so much for joining us through this journey that we've gone with Joseph living the dream. Uh, it sounds great to live the dream and sell the battles. And every one of the dreams that God gives you will have its good days and bad days. And may you trust in him while you go through that. Uh, let me say this, tomorrow, uh, Sunday we hope you'll join us as we spend time in church. We're looking forward to it, 10 o'clock in the morning um, for a morning service, 5 in the evening for a night of praise, and I hope you'll join us for it. If you can't make it on property, join us online. And uh, But we'd love to have you. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Continue. We're thanking God for the gorgeous uh, weather. I look around the, the creek behind here, and uh, it still looks like winter a little bit as they claim possible snow Tuesday. We're looking forward to the flowers coming back and spring coming as a reminder of Easter. And so we'll begin talking a little bit about Easter Sunday and what to expect and what you can do to invite people to it. And, and uh, so we invite you to be there Sunday, 10 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the evening this Sunday. And we look forward to a great time of fellowship together. I did mention I was going to say what we're going to move to for our next time. Starting Monday, we're going to start a series. We're going to go through the book of Ruth under the simple premise of the kinsman redeemer and we talked a few weeks ago in church about the idea that the bible really is one narrative and uh, in the old testament it points the head to jesus and and we're going to look at ruth as part of the ancestry um, line of, of of jesus and what it means to be the kinsman redeemer what that means for us and so we'll spend the next couple of weeks it's only four chapters and we'll jump through and we'll study through uh, the good decisions, the bad decisions, and God's grace through all of it in the study of Ruth. And so I hope you join us starting Monday at 11 o'clock, and we look forward to a great time of study together. We hope you have a great afternoon, and we look forward to seeing you next time. God bless.